Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. It's Tuesday. That means another episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, we are just two days. Two days. Two days from our headlining show at SOB's here in New York City, and our dream of selling out the building is so close to becoming a reality. Thanks to you guys. You've watched our sketches. You've passed along our interviews. You've downloaded our podcasts. You've cranked up the volume when listening to our music, and now you've bought tickets to see us rap, tell stories, and put on a huge show in our voice. We're on the cusp of something very special, and we're asking you, if you have not bought your tickets yet, don't get left out. Buy them now at itsthereal.com. Don't show up on Thursday night hoping that Dan is going to sneak you in. Listen, Dan's got no time for that. He'll be in the green room practicing his Dame Dash dance. Your girls tour, hosted by Combat Jack, DJed by Just Blaze, surprise guests hitting the stage, and of course, it's a night full of It's The Real. Let's make history together. Let's close out strong. We have just two days left. Let's sell out SOBs. Jeff, what did we do this week? Anything special? We were on The Breakfast Club. Shout out to uh, Charlemagne and Envy and Angela, everybody at The Breakfast Club, Power 105. We had a great time up there. We did, and the interview is actually doing surprisingly well. The commenters have gone from really hating us because we are white and Jewish to accepting us. Well, you have to understand, too. I mean, a lot of these people just saw the still, which was us with Kodak Black. Ski masks, yeah. Ski masks. Because he wore a ski mask on Breakfast Club, and so we did too. And so people just judged us based off of that. And And so the negative votes went up like crazy. Yeah, but but also when you watch the interview. My favorite thing, though, was you looking in the comments and seeing the people who judged us badly at first flipping and and then saying stuff like that uh, they take back their their dislike. (laughs) So that's that's great. It's it, um, that's and, nice. And we're going to be on Ebro in the morning yeah, on uh, Hot 97. Today coming out today. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to everyone on Hot 97, Peter, Ebro, Laura, everyone up there. We're really looking forward to Thursday. We've been promoting it like crazy. We've been rehearsing and getting ready. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm ready too. But first, yeah, I'm excited about today's podcast. Who do we have? We have Alex Tumay on the podcast today. He is the engineer who has worked with everybody from Young Thug to Travis Scott to Kanye West. Just a bunch of people. A lot and of stories. He has a very famous dog on the internet, Gordy. <laughs> Shouts to Gordy. Well, even beyond that, we talked about studio stuff. We tra- talked about traveling with uh, the rodeo tour. So Travis Scott and Sycamore and Chase B and all them. And we talked about being in the studio with... All the the Atlanta guys like Southside and Metro Boomin and TM88 and and it's just a fun podcast. He's a fun personality. We we're happy. Of, yeah, we're happy he lives in New York now. Shout out to Alex. He's gonna be at your girls' tour on Thursday. When do you want to get into this podcast? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, aka Titanic Traffic Report, aka Iceberg Slim. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, aka Rock Your Body, aka Medieval Torture. Oh, and this is Alex DJ. Sorry you <laughs> wasted your money to be here. <laughs> yeah, and this is a waste of time, but it's the real. Alex, what's happening? Just, you know, chilling, man. <laughs> Taking a break from working. No, well, thank you for, for coming up here during a work day. Yeah, I mean, work. I, feel like, <laughs> I did air quotes. I, I feel like every moment is a work day for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm on call 24-7. Like, the other night... Somebody was in town, I forget who it was, but they called me at like 4 a.m., something like that. And you picked up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you forgot who it was? Phone next to, it happens like every day. 
Yeah, but like they say, like to get a good night's sleep, you are supposed to like turn like it onto like you know the night version of it, and to turn the audio off and the vibrate off, and put the phone on the other side of the room. This I is don't not know you. What a good night's sleep is. <laughs> yeah, when's I have, that, I have a had... dog that snores twenty four seven anyway. So like, and you were just telling us that he fucks your couch. Yeah, he fucks my couch. <laughs> apparently, when I'm gone, I think I need to get like one of those baby cams so I could like make sure. Or he's just, like eating it. I don't know. Or he's doing you, something. Or well. you bring him with you because um, we know that when you worked with Divine Counsel, you yeah. brought him to the studio. I know. The only reason I didn't bring him here is because he's like snorts and doesn't <laughs> sit still. And but I bring him to every session. He's like the only time he didn't come with me anywhere is when I went to LA last week. But he comes. Like, and then what do you do? Uh, my brother watches my place. So does he still fuck your couch? <laughs> I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I hope it's not like a like a group thing with the two. <laughs> How long have you had your dog? Um, since August. And maybe? it's funny because he's such a big part of your your Twitter now persona. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's like, I'm sit, I work out of my apartment, so he's there all the time, <laughs> and I'm around no other humans for like days at a time. <laughs> like I followed That's you on my... Snapchat, and it's literally all your dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hundred percent my dog. <laughs> He's so good for content. So good yeah. for followers. Yeah. So you recently moved to New York city. Yep. Um, how's it been so far? Um, different. I mean, what'd you expect? I expected more studio work. Mm -hmm. I got a lot more work coming up here, but it's more like, um, labels hitting me up more because they saw that I was around so that I could pull up on them when I'm done with a mix or whatever. But the studios, it was a, it's a little different because in Atlanta, it's all studio work. The right. studios are calling me like, we need, we need a person for this, we need a person for that. But they already established, they've like, even if, even if the people in their sessions aren't great, they have their people. So it's kind of hard to like just enter into that world. I mean, do you still have all of your old, uh, I don't want to say clients, but like your old, uh, everybody you were working with in Atlanta, do they still send up their stuff Yeah, to I you? mean, Metro, Metro, Thug, 21 are all traveling and working a lot. So unless I'm traveling with them, I can't record, mm -hmm. but they all send me, like Thug just sent me a record and Metro sent me a, a few. Have you worked on like those recording buses? I hate that. It, well, yeah. I, I was on rodeo tour. And the label didn't plan for me to be on the bus. So Surprise. There, there wasn't enough bunks. <laughs> I slept on the floor or the couch or you know how on the buses they have um, like the dining room table? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I slept on with like the top of my body on one half and the bottom on the other half for a couple of days. Do your parents worry about you? <laughs> All the time. They don't, my parents don't know what I do. Still. Yeah. I mean, I explain it to them and I showed my dad. Cause my dad's like a musician, so I showed him, but he just... <laughs> He doesn't understand the whole sleeping on a jagged uh, sort of. <laughs> no. He service. doesn't follow you on Snapchat. Wait, so when you're <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. <laughs> he has a Twitter, and um, he calls me worried sometimes because of the tweets. But I tell him it's like mostly jokes. <laughs> so when you were sleeping like on the bus, mm -hmm. and you're sleeping on the floor of the bus, mm -hmm. did anybody have to cross over you? Yeah, all the time. Because <laughs> it's a bus. Well, I was always the first awake and last to sleep anyway. Because it was, it was me and Travis, so he had a room, which was also the studio. Mm -hmm. So I was there until we were done working. And uh, by the time we were done working, everybody had chosen a bunk or passed out. Or... But was it something, like, there are buses that are equipped to record, and they have, like, a booth that is built in there. Yeah. Is that had, not what that was? No, it had that. Okay. It had that. Um, 
but even even then the bus has to be turned off and the generator has to be turned on or else the whole bus is vibrating we tried to record and like the the meters are almost in the yellow just from the noise <laughs> of the bus and it was a good setup too other than you know the fact that you're in a bus and so what are you what are you bringing on tour like besides yourself for rodeo i had actually was i think it was when i was living in the rodeo house we went straight to the rodeo tour so i had all the just my laptop and like a bag of clothes, a tiny bag. I ran. I wore the same thing. Like I said, they didn't plan for me, so I didn't get a hotel when we stopped. I just had to crash on couches in hotels and stuff like that. But um, there's like four or five days in a row where I was just wearing like the same jerseys that I bought <laughs> at every stop. Like, did you try to convince people it was like a look? We all were smelling pretty bad. <laughs> Wait, so none of those guys, Sycamore, Chase, uh, Travis, they couldn't give you any of like the the, the Sick. rodeo merch. <laughs> oh no, Sick Sick hooked it up. Sick always like let me like because he was always busy and out, so he would give me his room whenever he could. Oh, that's and stuff awesome. Like that. Yeah, Sick's great. All right, you are originally from Florida. I was born here. Oh, you were. I was born in Queens. Yeah, and, and then raised how, in Florida. When did you move down to Florida? When I was nine. Okay. As so, a joke? Yeah. It was, it was a prank by my parents. <laughs> Actually, that's not a joke. It was really like, they lied to me about moving to Florida. What did they tell you was happening? They said we were going to Disney World. And oh my God. Wait, 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 well, like at least like, did you go there? No. What? We drove right past it. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Here's what I distinctly remember about leaving New York is we lived in a courtyard in Queens. So all the kids in that courtyard were magically my age or around my age. And they're all watching us drive away. And my best friend that I knew since, like, the day I was born is, like, bawling his eyes out. And I'm smiling because <laughs> I think I'm going to be back. I, I, I just might, might have been the most oblivious child ever because I, we lived in a really small one bedroom with me and my brother and my two parents. And they built a bedroom for me out of, like, a four-by-eight room. Like mm-hmm. a Harry Potter style. You were under the stairs. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And when we were leaving, they knocked the that wall down that they built because the, there was a couple or something that didn't want that extra room. And, and you didn't see the writing on the wall. The <laughs> well, it's because the wall was knocked down. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, I had no that, idea. So that really happened. Yeah. Wait, but the neighbor kid knew and you didn't. I mean, they all knew, but I was just like, I don't know. I was just like really <laughs> excited to go to Disney World. Probably like. Just nothing else was registering. So we had our friend uh, DJ Jubilee um, from Mixpack on recently, and she grew up in uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and then went to uh, school in Orlando for college, right? And she said when she graduated high school, there was this whole thing where graduating seniors were taken like on buses to Disney World. Yep. And so you did this. Yep. They shut down the park, and it's yours at yep. night. Simple plan played. Simple plan. It was pretty Wow, insane. this is so 2003. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It was great. Her big thing was she took acid and and uh, experienced whatever ride it was where the alien escapes and they like... Yep. Yeah, and and it like breeds on your like thigh and stuff. Um, what... And did you ride the monorail? Did you... I don't I don't think the monorail is, was open at oh. that time because it's only Magic Kingdom that they let you go in. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So... I don't, not not like um whatever the animal park is like no know. I've never even oh. been to that one. Your parents didn't drive by it. <laughs> no, yeah. they, they they we um one time when we went to Disney they just drove us in a circle and we looked the entranceway to all the parks. And you know what that's home. like? Your parents basically took you on the monorail. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. but the monorail is expensive. So yeah. we just drove around. Like I was hanging out with the football players I guess in my school at the time, mm-hmm. and we just like we're rolling dice on the bus all the time <laughs> and then walked around and like. 
picked on some kids. Did you? <laughs> Dope. <laughs> yeah. So talk about a life lesson. <laughs> yeah. What was what was high school like in in Florida? Well, so the neighborhood that my parents moved to was like white, affluent, whatever. But I didn't have any friends over there, so I went to a completely after middle school, like moved to like a completely different neighborhood. How far away? Like twenty five minutes away, but it was like a. Um, international baccalaureate school oh wow so i did that which i was the worst student in the history of that school wow congratulations i can, I can tell <laughs> that you were dumb because you didn't know you were moving yeah <laughs> no I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot so i snuck my way into the smart kid classes and then failed you you failed because you were dumb or because not be lazy you were actually lazy. dumb. i mean i was like yeah. a lazy high school kid i did the whole um I saw my buddy about this and he laughed at me. So, <laughs> but I did the whole like, what's it called? What's the movie where they like do like the makeover on the nerdy girl? Oh, uh, she's she's all that. Yeah, I, I, she's all that in myself. <laughs> like you put on glasses? <laughs> no, I like I opposite of that. No, I um, in middle school I was like the nerdy band kid. I had like played sax and all that and like drew anime pictures when nobody was around. And, like, Which by the way is cool now. Yeah, it's dope now. I wish yeah. I just stuck with that. <laughs> yeah, have an amazing job right now. <laughs> Were you, um, were you first chair? Yes. Okay, good. But, I, uh-huh. but we were in like a really, it was a really bad high school band. Oh, don't, come on, don't sell yourself short. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember we had like a recital and out of like 40 of us, like nine showed up. Well, what? And that's how I became first chair. Because <laughs> I was the only good chair. Good attendance, yeah. First and only chair. <laughs> but um, I was just kind of like tired of getting picked on. So I like threw all that stuff away, changed all my clothes, bought a surfboard and a guitar. And, and you became like, Jack Johnson. Yeah. I know. And then I became... <laughs> that's a whole other story. Um, sandals? Sandals. I mean, it's Florida. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wore shoes. <laughs> I, there was a, I think there was a time when my school like had to like put like their foot down and be like, you have to wear shoes. <laughs> Stop wearing sandals to school. Did you, did you actually surf? Yeah. We, I mean, my school is right by the beach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Were the waves like... Garbage. Oh, really? But, but, I mean, Florida has its spots like Sebastian and New Smyrna and stuff like that. And... Ultimately, how were you as a surfer? Terrible. <laughs> did you ever any, have any like really bad falls? Yeah. And did you break anything? Um, I broke like a bunch of bones in my foot skimboarding. Oh. Mm. But Should've I worn didn't... real shoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because uh, you know what skimboarding? What do you like? Take the board like it's like a flat board. By the way, no, I don't know what skimboarding. <laughs> <is>. <laughs> well, um, skimboarding is like you go into like, shallow water like. Oh and you yeah. You're too deep, and you throw the board, and you run and jump on it, and then you go into the like shore break. Yeah. So I ha- I was doing that, and I bought like a twenty dollar piece of crap wood board. It's like moving slip and slide. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I missed it, and it was like I think it was in Daytona, so the sand on the beach is really compact. Mm-hmm. You can drive on it. Whoa. So I missed the board, and the board crushed my foot into the sand. Oh. <laughs> And my mom, it was like a surf trip with my family. So my mom was like, don't do that. Don't skimboard ever. And you were like, it's too late. And I was like, dad, look. I'm skimboarding. <laughs> and I turned around because he wasn't looking. You know how dads don't do, don't look when right. I tell them to look. And I missed the board and the board crushed my foot. And then my mom said I had to continue surfing or I had to go home. We were like a family surf trip. So like, it's like you have to surf on your broken foot or you're going home. So for a week and a half, I surfed like on like a, my foot was like, enormous she she was doing like the, the cigarette thing yeah it's just like yeah you know, she gives you like a card yeah, yeah, yeah. Pack. <laughs> yeah you want to surf how long did, was, did, was, did you have surgery were you in a boot i waited 
four weeks to go to the doctor or something like that. You were and, lazy. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I get it from my parents. Apparently. Um, wait, I, I mean, went and my foot, I couldn't wear a shoe, obviously. Foot's like Could normal. you wear a sandal? I, I, I had one shoe and one sandal. I, That's um, a look. Wow. And so, yeah, the whole summer I just kind of limped around. When you went to UF, um, were you a huge uh, Gator football fan? Yep. How do you feel about Steve Spurrier overall? Because not only is he like the biggest like player ever and the biggest winningest coach ever, yeah. but then he went obviously to the NFL and then back down to South Carolina, the hated Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, so when I was there, we had um, what's his name? I forget what his I think it was Ron. Was the oh the one who went to uh, Illinois after? Yeah, the one who went yeah. to Illinois. And then we, it was between Urban Meyer and Steve. Right. And everybody was like, we need Steve back. Because, like, <laughs> Steve had the only championship, so we need him. Right. And uh, he went to the Gamecocks, and we got um, Urban Meyer, and everybody was super skeptical. But the second Urban Meyer came in, we started winning. Right. And so, I mean, it wasn't any, like, bad blood mm-hmm. thought. Because, I mean, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a huge fan before I went, so I didn't have, like, the years of history like my dad doesn't know how to throw football you can't play sports (laughs) but uh so it's just like sports weren't in my family like that um surfing was yeah no that's uh, (laughs) neither um how many national championships did you win when you went to full sale (laughs) exactly zero (laughs) no they they were talking about having like an intramural football thing Mm -hmm. really i don't know if you've ever seen the campus at full sale Mm -mm. but most i assumed it was on a boat (laughs) most most of the people that go there and like the gaming community because it's a lot of gaming mm-hmm. uh programming and programs and stuff like that so it is on a boat yeah <laughs> might as well be <laughs> every semester at sea and so it's like 99 percent dudes who have been showered and like have an asian four. fetish yeah were you were you the one percent yeah i mean i showered a lot <laughs> but also like we did i mean me and my friends just didn't hang out at the school that much we just were trying to get in and get out right but yeah, it's a weird. School so when you there. went there, when you made the switch to go to full full sale, yeah. did you know that your focus would be in engineering? I mean, I knew I was going to do audio engineering, but I didn't think I was going to do music. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do music. Um, I didn't want to do something I like because I love music so much. and It's all I ever like talked about ever, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to hate it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to end up hating music. So I went there trying to work in game design for audio hmm. or for movies. Whoa, for like. Like foley and yeah, like foley and sound design and all that. And did you take those courses? Yeah. Whoa. How far did you did you work on any like student films? Did you? I did. You know, like Unreal Engine. You know how they have like for game design. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like a basic level in there that when you first download it, and uh, I designed all the sounds for that and like, the music and all that, and I did a couple of like movie trailers and redid. And I, I, I kind of, I think there's a reel online, honestly, Whoa. somewhere um, from way back in the day. And I had um, my teacher, Tom Todia, he set me up with the people at Sony. And we had talked about like me coming in and interning, which is like, I don't know if you know, like games make so much money, mm-hmm. so much more than movies and like music specifically. Yeah. Like they have, they just throw money at like anything so like their internships are like 40 dollars an hour oh 30 <laughs> hours a week and you probably have a job at the end of it and you get a crazy bonus every time a game drops and like you only do two games a year and <laughs> you really only work like three months out of the year and, and why did you not do that 
Is it because you want to stay for 48 hours straight and <laughs> yeah. sleep on the floor of a bus? Yeah. That, I was like, <laughs> shit, it's just too cushy for me. <laughs> um, no, it just fell through. I like put all my eggs in that basket. Oh, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move to San Francisco or San Diego. There's like the two locations. And it just never worked out. They just never, they just stopped responding to my emails. I was talking to like their CFO or something like somebody hella high on, yeah. the, on the food chain. And uh, he just like stopped responding. That's dick. Such yeah. a bummer. I think I still have his uh, business card that I got because he came to the school to speak oh. as like motivation. Yeah, um, you should email him now. Yeah, I want I want you because you were hanging out with the football team and, and bullying people. Why don't you give his name up right now? So <laughs> I wish can... I remembered it. Oh. Damn, that's a real burn. I know. <laughs> Can't remember your name. Um, wait, what's the best Foley solution that you can think of? I mean, the the notorious one is like the hammer with the watermelon for like brain splatter and right. stuff like that. <laughs> But, I mean, what happened when we were in school is the audio libraries got so big. How big was it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this is over. <laughs> Happy you came over? Yeah, I gotta go. Um, no, but there's like 150,000 sounds that they just had for the students. So all that Foley stuff, we did it. And then we were like, oh, our, so our recordings just don't sound as good as the stuff that's free and available. Right. Right. <laughs> it's sort of like, why even bother teaching kids math when they can just use a uh, calculator? Right. You know? Math is yeah. so dumb. Yeah. Math, math is so dumb. <laughs> Shout out to the uh, Florida public yeah. education. That was actually um, a banner in my high school. <laughs> what I just said? Yeah, I said math is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so were you, were you playing music back then as well? Yeah. I've played guitar since I was 15. I've played piano since I was like five, but I've always been terrible at that. Never really practiced. When did you put the saxophone down? When I was 14. Okay. <laughs> so it was two years. I was good. Yeah? If you handed me a saxophone, I wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> so you're playing guitar. What kind of bands were you in? Like prog rock, experimental. Like wow. Were you in Yes? I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I was just in shitty garage <laughs> bands. Did you ever... It was wait. a lot like me. It was a lot of like... And then we had like me and my brother who he plays drums. We mm -hmm. just did, we just did this Black Keys esque thing. It's just the two of us. Yeah. Uh, did you actually play in garages? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did in Florida, that's all there is: garages <laughs> and lawns. So uh, when I was in high school, I played in a in a garage band, but we mostly played in basements, right? Mm -hmm. Or like practiced in basements or whatever. But uh, our friend Brian, who was the lead singer, we went over to his parents place because it was usually at my place or at like uh two of the other guys in the band's places but one time we went to brian's and we actually played in his garage and it was freezing cold outside and the garage is a garage like a concrete slab on the floor and you know paint cans and whatever else in the garage and we're in there and so we plug all our shit in and and so i set up the drums and brian for whatever reason we figured out later uh every time he touched the microphone he got zapped because nothing was grounded yeah. <laughs> did that ever happen to you or did anything fun happen in the garage or ridiculous no did, were your neighbors Florida. understanding my neighbor i mean nobody's home in the middle of the day <laughs> they're all just you know at their jobs and they come home at five and then they go into their houses and never come out <laughs> it's the suburbs man we, i think i talked to my neighbors twice twice ever <laughs> I've talked to my, like, across-the-hall neighbor in my new apartment more than I talked to my neighbors in Florida. Wow. What would you tell your new neighbor? Just apologize for my <laughs> friends. We were leaving the house, like, wasted one night the first time we met her, and my friend, like, talked to her for way too long. 
you're playing in bands you're uh doing foley design and and you see a path towards engineering not so much in music when does that take a turn towards music so i moved to atlanta because i was visiting the girl i was dating at the time and she she's telling me how good the scene is in atlanta and how i should work there in music and i was just kind of not trying to work in music but I looked up all the television studios and sound and all that because there's a lot of them there. So there's this studio. Why can't I remember the name now? Um, whatever. There's a studio that does a bunch of sound design for television. I started and I w- walked into the front door. I called them. Well, I called them up ahead and I walked up to the front door, just knocked it and met the manager and sat with her for like two hours <laughs> and just waited until an internship opened. She was. Oh, I said I'd just wait until an internship opened. She was like, you just have one. <laughs> and so I just started working there. Atlanta the is full day. of possibilities. Yeah, yeah. really. Well, that's, I always tell everybody with internships, it's just if you apply online, you're just waiting for them to get to your email when they're open. Right. Right. But if you just go in person, you skip the entire line because you're there and you're a face and they know you now. And they're, they're going to think of you as a person and not a resume or right. anything like that. So, so if you're looking for an intern, can people stop by your new apartment uh, here in New York yeah, City? Stop by my studio. <laughs> no, give, out your, give out your home address. Yeah, I can't do that. Because your that. neighbor will be annoyed. Yeah, my neighbors. I'll tell you all about that after this. Because <laughs> I have some really interesting neighbors. Oh, man. But so, I, But you but, walk into, this, into the studio, get an internship right away. Yeah. And I just never left. Well, I left to go get my stuff, but I just <laughs> lived on her. I lived with her in her apartment for like a month. And then I got a place in Atlanta where I lived for the next six years. And, really? Um, that studio ended up shutting down, I think, six months after I got in there. And I kind of saw it coming. The clients were, le- were not there as much. Um, I think they did Archer there. Oh, so, oh, that's cool. And the dude who's mixing Archer moved to a different studio or to he i think he built a big studio in his home so he didn't need it mm-hmm. and he was he was taking the biggest room there and when he left i went and got an internship with ben allen and wait when when you were in that other studio that was doing archer and everybody's leaving yeah did you see the writing on the wall then oh <laughs> that's an amazing story actually because they didn't tell me i mean i saw the writing on the wall but i was still showing up every day and like mm-hmm. there was less and less going on and one day I showed up and all the lights were off, which is usually the managers are going to flip some of the lights on and I'll flip the rest of them on, clean the whole studio, like set up every mic, test everything, all that. I think they had 11 rooms total. It was yeah. a big, it was a big operation. Yeah. And I went in and I set everything up and I'm there from 9am or 8am to 1130, something like that. And nobody comes in and I'm just <laughs> waiting for people to show up. It's an issue. And so you finally leave, and there's a little boy crying. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, wait a minute, just like a like a um, a, like um, a tumbleweed just rolling. Yeah. So did you think to yourself like, there goes my opportunity here in Atlanta? Yeah. Um, I did hear uh, your Red Bull interview, um, where you talk about um, <laughs> just two hours of my life. Um, no, it was amazing, and um, I thought you were great. But I, I wanted to know. So you you did a uh, one Craigslist job where you were a dealer at. Right for yeah, poker, an underground poker game. Yeah, in Gainesville when I was going to UF, um, my job was like I ran a game with a whole bunch of friends, and we created this whole like underground 
ring of like seven days a week there was a different game in every house and it started off as like ten dollars a night and then it got to like thousands of dollars holy cow like twenty thousand on the table and stuff like that <laughs> whoa and are the, you a good poker player i was whoa that's how i paid for like i bought my car my first car that way did your parents know yeah they hate it <laughs> they hate it because like i mean at first i wasn't good so they saw like my bank account at first, <laughs> and they're like what the fuck are you doing but then i got good and like i mean there was a time when i like considered i dropped out of school the first time because i was considering going like professional with oh, it whoa and the kid that i shadowed in from my first day of high school is like a, the winningest or one of the winningest poker players there is really and the win- i guess he's the winningest jeopardy person there is alex oh. jacob whoa like, so <laughs> shouts to him yeah so, so i was like look he he did it I mean, yeah. he's clearly way smarter than me <laughs> well florida well so, I was, yeah he's so he's on world series of poker and all he that he's like two bracelets or something like that does he i don't know what that means it's when you win you get okay bracelet. gotcha 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 um does he like wear like sunglasses when he plays or i does, think so he has like a big jufro <laughs> well you know that's Alex a jacob yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel like i like uh, went to middle school with him. <laughs> i was working two internships and doing that poker job at the same time <laughs> um so i had income and i was doing all right but that was what i wanted to do and they literally right before that because there was an empty room just told me i could practice and was going to be the next assistant and i was starting to get like options for like oh tnt la needs this cartoon like they need to all the sound effects replaced just go in and replace those real quick and so i thought that it was going to work out i had like the third biggest room and i was an assistant you know what i mean yeah um and then so that day I see like one single solitary office light on and I go in I talk to the manager and I, and I'm like so where is this going like about this assistant job and this is and that like I really want to be the, assi- the assistant here full time and and he, he's like let me stop you we're shutting down <laughs> actually we've already shut down <laughs> why are you here he, he just he said he told me that if he saw me earlier, he would have told me to go home earlier. Damn. And then I just, like, left that day. Damn. At 11.30 after spending, like, three hours cleaning the entire studio. Oh. And yeah. so, okay, so so you move on from there. Yep. And because you're forced to. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, can you – I remember in your, in your Red Bull uh, interview, you talked about um, your next situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you did to to keep your job there, right? With Ben? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just like a crazy situation from the get-go because we started and it was 24 hours twice a week, basically. It started it's like as, you're a doctor. Or, yeah. like, or like a firefighter. Yeah. yeah. Except way – you're just getting people lunch and dinner. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I guess they could die if you didn't, like, enough times. This is true. <laughs> it's very true. So it's yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Um, but it started off as 10 By the way, thank you for your service. Yeah. 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 <laughs> A lot of songs that would never happen if CeeLo didn't get his lunch. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Might not yeah. Happen. First of all, did you see CeeLo's new, his, his costume, his what he wore to the Grammys? Yeah, when he dressed up as an Oscar to the Grammys. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Honestly, I, I don't, like, people hated on it. I was like... Well, I said he looked like an angry Ferrero Rocher. Yeah. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> you know, you got to reinvent yourself sometimes. Sometimes you just got to, like, turn into a Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Wait, so we heard the craziest story about CeeLo recording, actually, which is that he records while lying down and you have to move the mic, like, basically into his mouth. I never saw that. Okay. But, you know, maybe that's happened before. But the studio that we were in, it was kind of smaller. He, his room was didn't really have a couch for that. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just a... Like, a space issue. A space issue, and he would he would have if he could have. Mm-hmm. But, but twenty four hours a day. That's what it ended up. It was it started off as ten to ten, and I'd be in and out, and then go do the poker thing, and then wake up at eight and go do the other job, and then it turned into like twenty four hours, and I would wake up at, and then I wouldn't go to sleep, and I would just go to the other job, and then I would sleep, in between. When it's early on, like in that getting to be twenty four hour process, what's what are the worst hours? Like. Th- 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. are the worst because that's when you actually start to get tired. Yeah. After that, you just kind of zone out, and <laughs> alive, just sitting there watching music getting made. <laughs> that when you start to get tired, and you're just like, "I'm gonna go the fuck home," <laughs> and your client's asking for froyo or something like that. You gotta drive 35 <laughs> minutes to go to like find the only froyo place that's open at 2 a.m. On zero sleep. On zero sleep. How much do you love watching movies on mute in the studio? I watch a lot of sports on mute, mm-hmm. which is if I can, mm-hmm. because you, it's a lot better that way. Yeah. But um, there's this one story about in the one time I went to Ye's house in L.A. where he put two movies on mute and then Thug had never seen them before <laughs> and was asking about them. So I basically narrated um, There Will Be Blood <laughs> and Amer- American Psycho with Thug. And I was like, oh, so here... <laughs> He's about to kill this dude. Yeah. But you don't know if it's real or not. <laughs> What's the milkshake line? Yeah. I still I would, milkshake, Yeah, I would yeah. drink your milkshake. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He's talking about milkshakes now. Yeah. <laughs> You're working these crazy hours. You're working in not rap music yet, but how would you describe it? I mean, I was doing indie, like pop and indie rock. And then between CeeLo and Bangladesh in the other room, there's like the funk, pop, and rap world right so occasionally so if if you divide those two and you're saying like this this alternative pop rock stuff and then you have like more funk hip-hop stuff on the other side where's the crossover in terms of like engineering and in what they need and in how things work well that like with bank when bangladesh first started to come in more and more because he ended up buying the space from CeeLo. And we were renting from CeeLo. And then, so there's this, that's when it really flipped to the 24 hour schedule. And they brought in all their own stuff to wire up. And that was really the hardest part was trying to figure out how to wire up as an intern this whole new setup. With, he had, I don't know if you know anything about like the speakers and shit like that, but he had these giant PA speakers, these giant KV PAs on the, produ- the production desk pointed at him with the huge subwoofer that comes with them mm-hmm. behind him. <laughs> so he's maybe four feet from these huge and then we had his whole setup wired into the other setup like because the patch cables were on the other side of the production desk so we just patched him in from the front to the back and then built got him a whole new like monitor setup and like a mixer and so he just went in from that and his MPC because he's always on like an MPC, MPC 2000 into Pro Tools rig, which is in the front. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest part. Other than that, like with him, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of drum miking or anything else. It's just a vocal mic. Mm-hmm. But when you're an intern or assistant with like rock, it's 
a lot about miking and testing and showing up at 6 a.m. and making sure everything's working because mm -hmm. if one mic's not working you, or if one thing's not working in the chain, you have to suss the whole thing out start to finish. Well, how about like when it comes to like rappers preferred microphones, like warmer tones or like harder things like what do you bring your own or is it like are people particular? I'll only work in the spaces that have like a certain amount of options now because a lot of places I go to will have one really good mic, but it's not it's a situational kind of thing. Like instead of having a U87, which kind of works across the board, it might not be the best mic, but it'll get the job done almost all the time. It's like a workhorse mic. They might have a C800, which only works on like some people. And like I used to hate it on Thug's voice. Like he used to love it because it's an expensive mic and it looks dope. And mm -hmm. It really looks it's crisp right away and it sounds a certain way right away. But it really left me wanting to be able to do more to his voice than I was able to do. So a lot of studios, I'll go in and they'll be like, this is our mic. And I'll just be like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that happened a lot on the road, which is why I started to mix on my headphones and laptop and all that, because all the studios were different. They all sounded different. They all had this equipment that I wasn't really fond of. So I'd record on their equipment and immediately just take it off that computer and put it on my laptop and like eighth inch into their system and hmm. do it that way. So talk about the first time that you did meet thug first time i met him i didn't meet him i guess <laughs> first time i met him i was starting to work on more paid sessions but i had been working the whole summer with metro and southside and spins and sunny and, and tm and all them oh wait yeah real quick before we get to that you had uh a situation where it was a big space right mm -hmm. and yep. those guys would just have their little setups in the big space right yeah and it was going at all hours and you were the guy yeah i was the only person i mean i had five interns at a time i think something like that five interns a week um so they were always in the studio too and they helped a lot but as far as like wiring stuff up and being able to problem solve and any of the tech issues they really couldn't do that so i was just around all the time and every producer had their own fold-out table that that we set up for them with the, like Sonny really brings his whole or brought his whole PC with him every time with this huge like 27 inch 30 inch screen or whatever his tower his interface <laughs> who's carrying all that in um he would back in the day and then you know we would help so we, we have uh, a, a rotating cast of doormen downstairs in mm -hmm. our building and uh one of them is the son of the or I guess a couple of them are the sons of the super right okay the youngest of those sons um, set he he lives you know in the other building and he he will bring out his giant monitor his CPU mm -hmm. and everything and play games while he sits at the front desk but he takes you know yeah wheels the whole thing out sets the thing up on the front desk and will will yeah. play like Sunny Digital would you know yeah. <laughs> produce yeah produce. I guess I guess we all have a Sunny Digital in our lives <laughs> you yours is Sunny Digital ours is our doorman son <laughs> yeah pretty much the exact same I guess. So there'd be the one table for Sunny, then the one for Spins, and the one for Metro. And then we'd have a little switcher for all the three of the setups. And uh, they would just go back and forth produ like producing and like collaborating. And then an artist would come in, and I'd like squeeze my way through and sit in between like the three tables at the desk and just record and on whatever they had and send it back to them. And That's unbelievable. Is that an intimidating situation for you? No. I mean, that's like, DJing was intimidating. Right. Engineering, I'm like never worried. Except for, like, 
I was in a session and like Andre 3000 walked in. Now I'm now I'm nervous. Or like Buster Rhymes was in a session one time. Like, I'm nervous as fuck. Like because they've seen it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They know exactly, and they know engineering as well as I do. They might not be able to do it, but they mm-hmm. know it. They mm-hmm. know when I'm fucking up. Right. So like if I'm fucking up, they're like, <laughs> "Why don't you try this?" My engineer used to do that, and that's nerve wracking. So how much of it for you is just being ahead of whatever they're going to say? It used to be a lot more, and I always tell everybody um, that's just starting out is you should have a template that gives you every possible option and test every possible option. When I first started, my first paid engineering session was just a production session with Kenneth Whalem. Um, and he just wanted to bring in a keyboard and his laptop and his logic rig and wire into our speakers so he could hear it. But I, knowing he's like a amazing sax player and could play every type of instrument, I set up a drum set, fully mic'd. I set up a vocal booth. I set up a booth for him to like play sax if he mm-hmm. wanted to just like played music with each of them, made sure that they were kind of in the ballpark and set it up. And the first thing he did when he saw all that was like, let's start recording on here. And That's awesome. That was like the moment where I kind of realized as long as you're, nobody cares if you're good when they meet you. They don't think you're good. They mm-hmm. don't want you to prove that to them. They want you to show up and get everything done and there to be no hiccups from point A to point B. Now, when, like, and now for me, people come in and they're like, oh, let's see if you can mix this for us real quick. Or we want to record these vocals because that's what they they know that that's what I do. So they're always coming for that. They're not going to come to me and be like, "Let's record some violin." Right. I mean, they might, but they <laughs> really don't more often than not. But I could. Yeah. So the first time Thug walks in. Oh, the first time he walks in, he's in the B room, which is the second biggest room in the studio. I guess it's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, in the studio, and I'm in A, finally getting some paid sessions with I think Ti, <laughs> or. It might have just been the Hustle Gang whole time when we were doing um, Get Do or Die Too. Mm-hmm. So they had, I think they had the A, the C, and the D room booked, and they were working in all three, and I was assisting in A and working in B. Hmm. And Metro just comes in, and he's like, he's kicked out all of your assistants, and he's kicked <laughs> out the engineer I brought. Um, can you please record him? Like, let your assistant record in this room. This dude's easy. He's just, he's just <laughs> punching full verses at a time, but no one can keep up. And I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> get out get out of the room I'm finally getting I need money and so I I'm like obviously I'm gonna do it so I just we switched I went into the other room and he was already in the booth he records with the lights off the blinds were closed um and the beat starts playing and he just goes off and I kept up obviously cause I wouldn't be here if I didn't <laughs> you'd um, be dead yeah right I would have just yeah they actually sacrifice it. Like <laughs> it's part of the ritual. That's right. Why, that's sure. why the music's. So good. That's why he's the goat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but that that song is some more, and he walks out without before I see him because I have I record headphones on, and I'm mixing and I have like the music blasting and I'm just like kind of in the zone or whatever. And I turn around and Metro and Sunny come back. Cause they went to American Deli to go pick up some food not even to order they like ordered it or they had the intern order it they went and picked it up because they wanted to get out of the studio for a minute and mm. they came back so, which is it's four blocks away mm-hmm. ten minutes tops he's finished with the song and they're like yo where the fuck did he go <laughs> I'm like oh he finished the song and he left and like we just walked out <laughs> we just walked out and I played the song and then you know 
the legend of young thug begins yeah i think i saw him the third time we worked together <laughs> i actually thought he was someone else like i like i i had heard his music but i never i didn't really go on youtube and have the time to go like look everybody up sure but i had heard his music i listened to it on the radio i listened to um, like two cup stuff and stuff like that so what do you think it was about your studio situation then that that led so many uh upcoming and legitimate artists to to be there um the studio manager chris and the owners um were trying to start a label and they had an artist and they were and they had and chris had a relationship with metro and sunny and he had known them ahead of time and he told them that like bring these producers in let them use the space get beats from them for your artists like let's work let's like create this like space for this all to work out um and when they came in they did that but they also were constantly working because they were kids they were 18 i think metro when i met him was eight i mean he had to be i guess he was 19 because we did 19 and booming so and he was the youngest one he was like a baby you know what i mean and i always tell him like every time i I just saw him the other week and i was like you're like an adult now it's (laughs) fucking crazy because i like i'll see him like once every three months and she's like He's more and more like, like, and you can see obviously in the way he's built his career and all that. But like, he's just like acting more like an adult every time. I think it's crazy. Was Young Thug the most difficult person? That you, I mean, was he even difficult to work with? He's just quick, like, and you can't. It's kind of like a fine-tuned like automobile, in that everything works really great until you fuck it up, and then <laughs> it's over. Because if you fuck up his flow. Mm-hmm. and you're too slow or whatever he's like stream of consciousness you have to be like he did a line all right fly it down or hit record again before he can think to be like let's fucking go right because the second he's like let's fucking go he's not thinking as much then it, so it's like you're off the take and then you have to go back and like get him back in the zone i just never really interrupted that process you have you ever worried about you yourself getting fired by him mm-hmm can you talk about the rich gang stuff? Yeah. How did that develop? And did you know it was going to be what it was in, at the end? Like what, what we hear today, did you know it was going to end up like that? Um, so it started off, I think three months before it actually started, Bird came in for the first time and he was just checking out the studio and Thug told him about the studio. I think it was like March, 2014, something like that. Um, so he came in, but, it was more of a party atmosphere. I think we did like two songs. We did that Migos Thug freestyle song that's like all four of them on the track, but that came out without being mixed. Like that's like what happened that day. It's, <laughs> it's like super, there's like a crazy amount of delays and shit in there. It's just way too much. And that's just what I was doing at the time to help people feel comfortable when they're recording, especially like dudes who are like in like rely on feeling the beat more. Mm-hmm. The eighth delay will like keep them on beat and like keep them more in the zone, especially because they'll hear their voice and they'll hear it again and they'll come in after you know mm-hmm, what i mean mm-hmm. it just helps with their flow especially for people who like work based off flow a lot more than anything else rather than put it in afterwards yeah. yeah um so that was that song and i think we did hookah as well mm-hmm. that day and then like justin bieber came in and <laughs> jermaine dupree and like 85 million other people and it turned <laughs> into a party and I just thought that was it. I thought it was just like, this is that one-time thing. And it just went back to normal for three months. 
Doug would come in every so often. Every other tip booked the studio a lot, a lot of other people. But it just kind of went back to equilibrium after that. And then I want to say like June or May, Bird comes back in for one day. He was like, I remember not liking this studio that much. <laughs> I was like, you were in the bad room. So we went to the B room, which is like the room that I that me and Thug liked a lot. Um, and I was like, let's work in this room. I know it's smaller, but the vibe is better. We're going to get more work done. He, he, I was like, you can hang in the other room, whatever. We, me and Thug did one song. And I played it for him, and he was, and I think it was 2, 3 a.m. at the time. And he had me call the studio manager and have her come up to the studio. And he asked her if he could book all four rooms for 90 days straight. <laughs> and she was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, it was just full on. I think the first week we did 75 songs, just me and Thug. <laughs> and Quan had the other room with uh, Justin, the um, Childs, the other engineer. Hmm. And the two of us did all the Rich Gang stuff. Hey guys, just wanted to take a little break from the conversation to remind you that this Thursday, we're headlining SOBs here in New York City and the time to get your tickets is right now. Even though it's going to be unseasonably warm. What'd you, what'd you say, Jeff? It was going to be 70 degrees and sunny. 70 in February. Don't get left out in the cold. We're on the verge of a sellout, and we want you in the building with us. So let's all celebrate together at your girls' tour, SOBs, here in New York City in just two days. Get your tickets right now at itsthereal.com before they sell out. Back to Alex Chimet. So it was it was planned to be those guys together. It wasn't like Quan was doing his own thing and Thug was doing his own no, thing. No, the plan was the two of them, and then we brought in more. Like, there's Pee Wee Longley's on there a little mm-hmm. bit. There's a few other artists, but... They came in more towards the end, and Thug and Quan had already done, you know, a few hundred songs. And at what point did and how did it happen that Birdman would do all of those? Yeah, like the ad-libs rich and, gang. Yeah, rich girl. I didn't do. I mean, um, his engineer did those additions afterwards when we were printing them all down. Because I like I added him in a few songs, but he was always like more, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want. <laughs> But I mean, I get it because they they definitely like branded the whole project. Mm-hmm. You needed them, yeah. Especially because he was doing mostly ad libs and he did a couple of verses, but he did mostly like just talk shit on the back in the background, which is like some of my favorite parts, especially on like some of the leaks and the shit that came out. But like, um, like freestyle, he's talking in the background the whole time, and it makes <laughs> the whole track so much better. How easy is it to have a conversation with Birdman? He's nice. He's like one of the nicest people I ever worked with. He was, and he was like, because I was working so many hours, I would show up. I was running the studio. I wasn't just the engineer. I always used yeah. to tell them that. I'm like, I don't show up at 7 p.m. when you show up. I show up at 11 a.m. and I sit there and I get the studio ready and I talk to the interns and like whatever other sessions are going on in the day or I'm mixing for you or whatever it is. And then you, like, they had the studio booked from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. or whatever. And it would normally end up being like 7 to 7 instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but after we, we would leave at 7, I would go home for three hours and then just come back right after. And so one session, I just had couldn't stay up anymore. And I hit, I hit play on the song, and I just put my head down and fell asleep. And I remember because some dude like hit me, some somebody in the background or somebody was like, yo, wake up. And Bert was like, let him sleep. He's fucking tired. And I, I woke up, and I was like, thanks, man. I, just, like, fell back. I hit play on another song, and I fell back asleep. 
and I woke up the next morning like at the studio and just like got back to work. But Thank God, I got some sleep. That was awesome. What artists prefer to record during the day? Because like we know some Bun B is like I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I I have a wife to go home to. I'd like to record during business hours. Right, and Nicki, Nicki Minaj, Minaj is the same sure. thing. Uh, do you do you find any that are like, hey, I want to show up at 10 a.m. and get started? Not from Atlanta. <laughs> That's not an Atlanta thing. Because Atlanta, a lot of like, I mean, it's all it's an intertwined culture, like the clubs and the strip clubs and the nightlife is part of the rap culture, and so they'll start at seven, go until one, go to the club, come back at three or four. Tell me how the song played at the club and then keep working. Do you ever go to the strip club and all those places? Or because, I mean, having listened to the first hour of this podcast, you know, you're always working. So, like, do you ever find time to hang out with uh, everybody outside of the studio? Um, Or do you even have desire to? Well, when it comes to, like, the strip clubs and stuff like that, when they would go, I would go to the clubs sometimes. But a lot of times it's not my scene. I don't have... Everybody's got so much money to throw. I don't got all that money. <laughs> like he, it's it just not. It doesn't feel good to be like the only guy not making it rain, mm-hmm. right? And I got like eight dollars of change in my pocket. <laughs> yeah, but that's a you know if put you it get, into you a small enough pennies, yeah. yeah. Well, it's more impactful. At least. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're gonna they're gonna notice it. Literally yeah. impactful. <laughs> yeah. But um, and then a lot of times what I would do instead is I would be like, oh no, I'm gonna sit here and work. And I know they'd be gone for two hours. So I would just go to the bar with my friends. You know, <laughs> or just meet my friends at the bar for like an hour. And that's and then, where you make it rain with your $8.67. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When does American Deli close? That's what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> American, you want, is that an actual answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 8 p.m. <laughs> eight, 8 or 10, depending on the American Deli. Um, what is the most instantaneous uh, hit that, that they've gone out with to the club and been like, oh, well, this is it? Danny Glover. Hmm. Danny Glover was the most instantaneous moment ever in that in my career i it was just me and thug in the room um he was working with metro he couldn't find a beat he liked we had already done five or six metro songs that day and south i was in the seat room cooking up a beat and i walked out and i heard like the the beginnings of it the the synth line and i was like yo please finish that <laughs> like finish it now and he's like why i'm like thug wants a beat and i don't want to be sitting here without any beats and i don't i just, it wasn't at the time when i was bringing beats to him you know and calling like Southside Metro and be like, yo, can you just send me a pack, please? And I'll just go through them. Um, so I was just like, please give me this beat. I was like, he'll love it. I know it. So I just grabbed it, went in and played it. Thug said, pull it up. Went in the booth. Five minutes later, came out. And the song was done. <laughs> and then I went out and got everybody. I was like, please come listen to this. I got everybody. Yeah. I got my interns. I got my assistants. I got the managers. I, I got all the producers that were there, all their friends. I was like, Jig, everybody. I was like, please come in this room and listen to this right now. There's video of it. This video of that moment, um, I forget. It's like, it's like a world star video. It's like mm. Thug strapped up in his own hood. It's old, <laughs> but like, part of it, he comes in. He's like playing um, pool, and then I play Danny Glover, and the room's full of people, and everybody's just like, kind of like, just like, this is fucking insane. How terrible is it normally to ha- to deal with uh, an entourage and everybody who just wants to hang out during a session? I like everybody. We really? always joke. Like I'm, I'm quiet at first, but. I still talk to all his like family and shit every so often, like. But it doesn't bother you in terms of like trying, you know, relaying something to you to get done, or I just put my headphones on. No, <laughs> but like drinks on the on the console. I'm, I'm, on the just, I'm just like that. Oh, that's <laughs> me. I like. Um, 
I had a client recently that would just move my drink away from the console because they were like, why would you, why would you? I'm like, it's not going to fall over. I've seen way worse. They used to put their, their drinks on the sideways part, on like the angled part of the console. And uh, it would just, like the lean would spill over into the COMB and I'd just be looking I'd be like, no. Um, was there ever a session that either that didn't go right for any number of reasons, but ended up where it was just like, oh, that was so good, but we lost the whole thing. I always had backups. Like in the middle of a session, I would back up to another drive. Mm. I would just be like, guys, you got to wait. Sorry. Mm -hmm. And they'd get mad, but I always, because one time I lost half a song. Oh, We redid it because it was just the hook or something like that. And so we knew. But um, what song was that? Do you know? No, I can't remember. But the computer crashed and i even though i had hit save it, i think the drive was maxed out or something like that and then it crashed because mm. obviously the drive's maxed out and it can't like can't spin and hold all that information at the same time so it just like everything went down and i was like <laughs> so i just moved it to the desktop did finish the song and then like had my intern go get another drive and start yeah. it over so you've been to kanye's house mm -hmm. uh what other houses have you been to uh I think French Montana's. No, it's uh, we went to Sean Kingston's house on Rodeo Tour. Um, was he a good host? Yeah, he had a nice house. He has a nice studio in his house. It's really dope. Um, that was in L.A. Who else? I can't really remember right now. Does Does anyone want to record? Oh, weekend. We went to the weekend's place in Toronto. Hmm. Wow. So, do people want to record in like seemingly odd rooms, like just because they're like, I like the sound in here? I don't think anybody thinks about the sound of a room, mm -hmm. but you definitely think about how far they have to walk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know Travis likes to record in the room with you mm -hmm. so that he could tell you what he likes about it while he's in there. And there's a lot more of a connection so that he doesn't have to relay stuff just verbally. Mm -hmm. Does he mind any bleeding or? He does, but I mean, the, the everything's muted. Okay. But I mean, Kanye works in the room. Doug works in the room sometimes, but he really likes to be. He really likes people not to hear him until it's done. Hmm. Um, who else? Quan worked in the room a few times, but didn't really like it. We had like we set up uh, like a mic where he could sit down. So it, I think it was like seven a.m. We were all exhausted, so we just set it up in the room so he could like just finish a song. Hmm. I, I forget what song that was. I, I know it made the tape, so I, mm -hmm. should, I should know it. <laughs> um, and and no situations where it's been like. Uh, when when Kanye and them went down to to Mexico and they had like the doors open to mm -hmm. the the sand and just set up a microphone right there, yeah. no situations like that. Or I mean, I've had them and I've had them a lot in the mix. Like on um on Savage Mode, you could hear a kid in the background on one of the songs, mm -hmm. and I, I I had the opportunity. It was in the ad libs, so I could have taken it out, mm -hmm. but it was kind of like an homage to the um was it the fire alarm that goes off in one of his old songs. Mm -hmm that people just like thought was hilarious so i just left it i mean it, it, it um the song has such a vibe to it that it kind of fits it sounds like an effect but it's definitely not it's <laughs> definitely kids talking in the background. um how do you choose an intern i had well i have like um a notebook with 90 questions in it and there's like a few sprinkled in there that are like if you don't answer this right i'm not hiring you and i don't really hire producers or people that want to be artists because i tried that i tried to give people chances mm -hmm. and i've had some of the craziest situations from trusting yeah. a person that has an ulterior motive like to be an intern at a studio you should want to be an engineer 
Right. That should be it. That should be your beginning end goal. I want to be an intern so I can hand out my mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> and I will break it in front of you. And it, I'll break it in front of the intern and in front of the artist just to let the artist know that we do not co-sign that. Yeah. But you want to know what? Then the rapper will never forget you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then, yeah, like, I'm surprised no diss songs have been made about me because I have fired a lot of interns. I should, should, my phone is, it says intern, like all my interns, I label them as intern first so I can find Wow. Them. So I can find Put them. Put them in their place. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's just, otherwise, how am I going to, there's so <laughs> many, fr- there, I think I have a hundred and 10 numbers or is there like, like intern 109 no i mean their <laughs> names are in there after intern no, it's not like but yeah. but in hello their, five in brackets <laughs> in brackets i would put quit fired etc because i didn't want to delete their number and then right and call me and be like got you motherfucker. yeah do you, do you pick up phone call phone calls from numbers you don't know oh if if they call twice then you know it's important then i know it's important and it's somebody i know because if, it, if it's not they usually don't call back or they'll text and be like, hey, this is this person. Yeah. But a lot of times it used to be, especially when I was living in Atlanta, mm-hmm. it used to be rappers that I might not have wanted to pick up the phone for at the sure. time. Yeah. Like I was waiting for like a uh, like a paycheck or something like that. So I'm trying to hold on to the music and not answer the phone. <laughs> and they'd call and I'd be like, hey, what's up? And like, We're coming to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how much? How You can't really say no that many times. So I'd really hate for like, you know, to, you to get two phone calls in a row and it's just like, you want a free cruise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's happened. <laughs> um, you don't pick up phone calls. I don't. I, I figure if they leave a message, it's, it's yeah. important. That's it. I pick up. Yeah. I talk to anybody. And then even <laughs> even if it's a missed call and like it's a wrong number, I call them back and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It was wrong number. I'm like, you called me. <laughs> we are talking right now. Yeah. Who's the, who's how is your day going? You tell me about it. What's the most That's unexpected? That's how I met Eric. What's the <laughs> What's the, right? Our mom was just like, "Here's give here's here's, here's his phone number." Um, <laughs> what uh, what is the most unexpected phone call you've gotten? Tip called me once to ask me to mix a song, and it was late as fuck, and I was not used to somebody like him calling me, and I was out. <laughs> I was like out out. It was like two thirty. The bars are closing out. Like oh. I had I had been through a long night already <laughs> of drinking, and I was like, "Yeah, totally, man." Like just like wasted talking to Tip on the phone. Did he call you, Shorty? No, he he did lecture me once though, which is that was like about what? So, I, like I'm an asshole, so it's my fault. But like he was in a session and I was helping him out, and he I was um, the engineer had showed up and he was talking about like how I did a good job or whatever. I was like, cool, thank you. And I thought he had stopped talking to me. <laughs> why would you continue to talk to me? There's like a room full of people and like all his ho- all his homies and shit. And I was like all right, he's done talking to me. I'm just going to go back. And I'm like working and I'm kind of not paying attention. I look at my phone and he looks at me and he's like, yo, I'm talking to you right now. <laughs> he like continued what he was saying and I just thought it was over. So I just kind of zoned out and went back into my little like engineer nerd zone. And he went in on me. Like, in, like not, he wasn't like yelling. <laughs> right. But he just like, because you know he like he's a preacher, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I really think that one day he's gonna end up in politics <laughs> or something like that because he can really like captivate a room. I've seen it. He used to like have all his events and stuff for all his, all the like mixtape releases or album releases at all the listening parties at the studio. And every single one, he would do like a speech, and every single time, everybody was silent and just like staring <laughs> in awe. Um, my favorite story of yours, which I, you might have told on the Red Bull thing, I'm not sure. You mixed. A song in an Uber. Yeah, I mixed. I finished mixing Jeffrey, the entirety of Jeffrey, in an Uber. That's amazing. Was it a long ride? It's like a forty-five minute thing. Yeah, it wasn't like it was just like sitting at the curb while you were no. finishing. I, I mean, 
I would have loved that, yeah. but I didn't have time anyway. I had been working all night in my hotel room because Jeffrey was due. And I was just sitting. It was the same because, you know, they said they were releasing the Wyclef, the song with Wyclef mm-hmm. at like 4 a.m. But they sent it to me at 4 a.m. <laughs> so I, I was like, this isn't going to happen, guys. So I, I was like mixing it on my bed and like people on Twitter like screaming at me because like, I posted a picture like mixing the song that y'all are waiting for yeah, got yeah. you guys oh it's your fault and some yeah. guy was like fuck you it's gonna sound terrible you're on your bed fuck you you piece of shit like, what does he like, know about audio design I was like, I was like, well, I was like first of all this is how I do everything yeah. <laughs> second of all like fuck you yeah. yeah I just and and it's funny because before every thug release all of his fans turn on me until it comes out <laughs> they're all like fuck you like this is all your fault it's gonna sound terrible i bet it's garbage and then like it comes out and they're like thank you <laughs> that's what i did like last with jeffrey i was like i'll cut my pinky off and i really would have done it if like people really hated it i would have done it what do you mean you would have done it i didn't i mean i knew people wouldn't hate it but like if, the, if, oh, like, I, thought you if meant I was like wouldn't hate like if you cut your finger off. Yeah. no if, if they i was like this is a really good project yeah they're not gonna hate this so i said that but if they did i mean you re- if that was that wrong <laughs> I mean, to be honest, what do you even need your pinky for, right? Yeah. Right. I was just going to do it on the right hand. <laughs> I'm left-handed, so. Oh, so perfect. So when you uh, have a deadline in the middle of the night like that, or in the morning, or you're working with, like, a, a very short deadline, th- this is something we've heard before. Like, go to mixing, and and you have this crazy deadline to work with. What about the mastering guy? Like, they Mas- come after ma- you, right? Yeah, so. mastering dudes... Have, do they have the same pressure <laughs> they have the pressure but like the guy i use is very scheduled like he's like if you if you want him to like go out of his he's got a family and kids and yeah but you have to schedule ahead of time which is why my deadline's so crazy gotcha but once it's there it's over yeah you know what i mean once it goes to mastering it's over and I, honestly with jeffrey was the only time that once it went to mastering it wasn't over because they got the masters back and, they, and thug listened to him and it, there was too much time there was just too much time between the release and when I got it done, <laughs> that he had all these notes. And that's why it was the last minute. Because the night before, I got four pages. Like, guess what? You got to change a whole bunch of shit. Wow. So and then send it back to the mastering guy after that. And send it back. And I sent it to Thug at like 10 a.m. or something like that. And mastering at noon. And then the new, they had it. it was This is the day Jeffrey came out. This is the 25th. Wow. Um, mastering had it done by 4 p.m. or something like that. And then we had to send it to iTunes, who they fucked up the release. And that's why there's like four different versions of one song on there. Mm-hmm. But I was done. <laughs> so it's not my fault. At what point did you figure out that you were in demand um, more than you even anticipated? See. Or do you feel like you are in demand? I mean, I feel like I am. And I'm getting a lot more work now, but I kind of thought it would be more, I guess, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Like I, I'm fighting, but the problem is I'm fighting up against dudes who are way more established, who have done way more records, who are way more familiar with the people on the labels. I don't know anybody on labels, really. I know a lot of. Uh, I'm starting to meet a lot of A and R's come here, right? Mm-hmm. But in Atlanta, that you don't really meet a lot of them. And I'm way more on the artist side of it than I am on the, the business side. side. Yeah. And I really don't know a lot of those people. So that my name doesn't come up right away for a lot of people unless they are younger and on the internet and they see like my presence. But a lot of the older dudes and like the labels, they don't give a shit about me. <laughs> well, just wait 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, I'll be 50 and 
deaf. And, yeah, <laughs> but well, it wasn't. But it wasn't like being flown somewhere, or it wasn't like being recognized in some certain way for I, your work. I just started getting flown places recently. I got flown to LA for some meetings for some um, for some production stuff potentially, which I think I might be doing. I hope because that'd be really it'd be a good step forward because I can produce and I have done that. Is that for the new Star Wars? I wish. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> quit. Delete all my social networks. Just live at whatever. Um, was it Star Wars Celebration or whatever? I just live at that. Is that at Disneyland? Yeah. <laughs> it's like their. It's like their Comic Con. Yeah. <laughs> there was this whole time where like rock bands would reach out to like Timbaland or would reach out to like the Neptunes or like super producers because they wanted that sound but mm-hmm. related through a rock song yeah. or, or album or whatever. Do you find that's the same? Because you are pretty synonymous with a certain type of Atlanta rap. Yeah. Do you find that beyond rap, rock bands or or other types of genres reach out to you because they're like, we want that. We want you to push the limits on these vocals. Right. Has Fall Out Boy reached out and been like, I want to sound like 21 Savage. Right. No, honestly. Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, yep. (laughs) I will pay my own way. Let's do this. So like, if they're out there listening. Yeah. Just give me a call. (laughs) Um, actually, the last trip I went on was with a, a whole label, and they wanted me to meet all their artists and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the artists they worked with was an electronic artist, and I did a song for her, mm-hmm. and it came out really dope and different. And like that is kind of where I've been wanting to go is out, and not even just away from rap, but just different types of everything and different types of roles and more creative direction and more kind of away from just Alex is a mixer Alex will mix this and make it sound good mm-hmm. because I can but that's only like a small portion of what I was doing in Atlanta anyway because I was finding a lot of these beats I was finding a lot of these young producers I was giving them a shot because a lot of these rappers will not work with them because they haven't heard of them even if the beat's good they want to work with their friends they came up with like Thug would prefer at one point to only work on Metro Southside Sunny TM and if he didn't recognize the name, he'd be like, who, why? But I'd be like, listen, bro, this is going to be good. <laughs> this is dope. Like Goose and Isaac and Ricky and all the, a lot of dudes that have a lot more, and Wheezy, that have a lot more of a role now. You have to, they, like, cosigns are so important in Atlanta. And I would find their beats and be like, okay, give me this one, this one, this one, and this one. This reminds me of this, but it's different. Or this will be like this, and it'll take him in a new direction. Like, um all the goose beats that are super pop oriented and they're like sample driven like the 1984 is on there and stuff like that all that just he would have never heard if i didn't be like if i was like you have to get on this you have to because at first i would play him he'd be like why and <laughs> that's i'm and i'm trying to impose that on like the people i work with is like i did like that happened because of me right mm-hmm. and so i then- don't want to be and i don't like saying that in a meeting because mm-hmm. people because one thing I noticed is people who claim a lot in the industry are over-exaggerating. Yeah. So I'm always kind of like pulled back. I'm like, I could do that, I guess, you know, and that doesn't work. So I've started to be more. Well, so then is a next logical step for you to A&R someone's project? I think I'm, that's hopefully, yes. Hopefully I want to executive produce and put a project together and produce and be part of like the Sonic creation more than even just A&Ring, which is... I want to like do both, I mm-hmm. guess. 
and then still record and mix and master. Yeah. So you're coming for Sycamore's job. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> Sycamore's my idol, man. Like, he gave me so many chances back in the day, too, because he – and he vouched for me a lot because when I was started on Rodeo and stuff, I was supposed to mix it originally. And he would like be like, this is the next Rick Rubin. That's what you tell people. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't have a reputation, but he met me working on – Did you have a beard? Uh yeah, I actually oh, looked I looked hella hella raggedy when we were You were the rodeo. next Rick Rubin. Yeah, yeah, that's all it took. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you look you look like you haven't been outside in years. <laughs> um but I met him working on the Little Dirk album, mm-hmm. uh, Remember Me, and I kinda I was bringing beats. I was sitting in the room all the time, we were talking a lot, and he's like, Oh, you have a lot of good ideas and then he saw that I did Days Before Rodeo and was like, You have to come in on this project, you have to and so I was pegged to mix it, but obviously Mike Dean mm-hmm. accepts. Uh, yeah, fuck me. <laughs> um, I would do the same thing. I saw that when you moved to New York, you didn't raise your rates from Atlanta. No. I mean, I raised my recording rates mm-hmm. because I don't want to record that much. And also, like, my recording rates were not sustainable. <laughs> I might as well just have kept my car and been an Uber driver. Um <laughs> But my mixing rates are exactly the same. What was your thinking behind that? Well, for indies especially, like I noticed back in the day, my my rates have been almost exactly the same since like 2013, as far as mixing goes. And people complain a lot. Like I could, I and I out them a lot because this is a professional sound. It really is. I took I spent years to get to just this point, and I didn't want to raise my rates because I want to be accessible to people, and I know it's not cheap, but it's worth it. And a lot of people have, everybody I've worked with who's done a mix has been like, this is completely different than what I got. And my rates are sustained, like I can sustain a living off of them. And I'm not trying to be rich. I'm not trying to, I mean, it'd be great to be rich, but like. You want to be in rich gang. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I want to change. <laughs> Actually, like if I'm, if I'm doing the, if I end up doing the tour part two or whatever that's coming out, um. That's my price. It's a chain. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is Tour 2 coming out? Well, it's it's Rich Gang 2. No, I know. But I'm saying, like, are all parties involved? I think it's just Thug and Bird. I haven't, I've only heard what everybody else has heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to talk to Thug the other day, but he's overseas, so it's, like, hard to get it, like, a handle on it. But I don't know. I think that was about something else anyway. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw the young thug video that did not exactly go as planned for uh for Wyclef. right so that day apparently is the day that his um instagram got, got hacked. hacked right and you hacked his instagram <laughs> and it was all my fault <laughs> no um and and because I, I was talking to him like the day before and he was in a good mood and stuff and that would send me i wouldn't do shit either if that happened to me Fuck that. I wouldn't have done anything. I would have been like, there wouldn't have been enough money in the world to get me to do anything. I would have just been mad. And sc- He was way more composed than I was because I would have been like death threatening every- the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, you're all going to die. <laughs> I'm going to um, cut off my pinky. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I understand his point of view, but I also understand like they made what they could with from it and it turned out dope. What I don't understand is that like the director just kept lambasting Thug online for weeks I was like, you got famous off of it, and like, it's really it came out dope. You did a really great job. Everybody's calling you now. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Like, just let it go. Yeah. It was. It turned out. Uh, that's who it turned out amazingly for. And I was like, 
I was gonna say something online, but I guess I just said it now. So, <laughs> but I mean, like, Exclusive. he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he did a great job. I just don't understand it. It just kind of like, seemed like petty right. to to an extent that I mean, you made your money, you got a lot of publicity for it. It's probably one of the more important videos that have come out in a really long time. Like, it's so, awesome. Yeah, Take so chill. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> relax. You said that you get a lot of phone calls from rappers at weird hours. Yeah. Do you also get FaceTimes from rappers? At That's all hours? they do. Yeah. By phone calls, I mean FaceTimes. Yeah. Which I find the most... I find FaceTime so intrusive. I hate FaceTime. Because First of all, my entire life is a disaster. I, like, I don't really show my house or my apartment to anybody. Because like it's always like... I'll clean it, and then five minutes later, it'll just be like, shh, crap. Everywhere. But that's your dog's fault. Yeah. He's yeah. just fucking, he's the, fucking couch the couch yeah. and <laughs> destroying my clothes. And destroying your life. Yeah. But yeah, I, shoes. I got a FaceTime at like nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, and I was just like, why? Like, that's yep. just rude. Well, but, like, I'll be in bed sometimes or out, and like, I, if it's a FaceTime, I'll normally like let it ring, let it go, and then FaceTime right back outside I, like, I always have headphones with me so i can do that i mean we we heard from someone uh who said that she only facetimes because it's just an easy like app she's not even like looking at the phone it's just sort of like they look out and about and they don't a lot of times with metro because he facetimes me the most it's work stuff mm -hmm. he has my template he works off my my system mm -hmm. so that he can send me stuff easier and that i could troubleshoot easier so like he was in French Montana's house in L.A. working on his, like a project or something like that recently, and Facetime me and I literally just like wired the whole thing like I just ran through like wiring and <laughs> every troubleshooting aspect. Of oh, whole, like we de were downloading firmware updates, all that stuff <laughs> like over Facetime. That's that's the best part of Facetime. Yeah. Like, you know, but sometimes you, I'm in bed and I'm just like I can't pick up right now. Like get right. up, get dressed. Go to the living room, turn my lights on like I wasn't fucking asleep, <laughs> and then FaceTime him back. And be like, "Yo, what's up, man? How's it going?" I'm definitely awake. <laughs> right, you're 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 FaceTiming with with uh, with Metro and and French Montana. We FaceTime with like our mom when yeah. she's just like, "Why doesn't my email show up?" My and, parents FaceTime right. me for Valentine's Day, and I was like, "Don't you guys fucking love each other? Like, what are you <laughs> doing, man? Why are you calling me?" Like me and my brother hanging out yesterday because we're both alone, and uh, <laughs> they FaceTime me and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" First of all, it was late. So like I'm like, what if I had someone? Like, <laughs> right. What little faith do you have in me? Well, to, that you facing me at 10 p.m. on Valentine's Day. <laughs> like, what, like what were you trying to catch me doing? Or how little do you believe in me? Or and they were like, oh, Alex, you know why? Yeah. <laughs> Did they need help troubleshooting? Like, <laughs> no, they like they just wanted they wanted to see Gordy is what they wanted. Uh, well, like, show sure. show us your dog. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hey, hey, grandson. They call him their grandson, which also hurts. Your dog is acclimating himself to New York City. Did you have a dog growing up? Um, yeah. Um, at one point in, during my middle school, we went to go visit my uh, family in Missouri. And my cousins had dogs. And my mom and her sister are like, the exact same person. Mm -hmm. So my whole time growing up, my parents like, no dogs, never a dog. <laughs> and my cousin got these shih tzus and... My mom was like, we're going to get one. So we got one, but it liked me a lot more than it liked my brother. And my <laughs> brother got real fucking sad. Oh. He was a ba he was like a young, young at the time. He was eight or something like that. Um, so my mom was like, all right, we'll get another one. They found one that they could adopt. So there was, we bought mine for like 150 whatever dollars yeah. because Missouri. And they like, just have animals. They, just, they have animals in space. And uh, then they adopted this other one. 
and we went from zero dogs to two dogs. Yeah. And then a year later, they had five puppies. Um. So we ha- and we kept two of them. <laughs> so we went from zero dogs to four dogs. And then, so my parents for the last like fifteen years have had like these four. Oh my god. Shih tzus. <laughs> <laughs> and so that happened. And then one just died. R.I.P. Oreo. Oh man. What were their names? Oreo. They're all named after candy, except for one, which <laughs> is so- Cookie. <laughs> is uh, so it's Oreo, um, Taffy, Chip, like chocolate chip, uh-huh. and then Rocky. And so my mom says it's like Rocky Road. I would say mm-hmm. that too. But I I named him after Rocky Balboa. Oh, <laughs> so not candy. Yeah, not candy. He's not candy. Was any of this reaction to to getting a uh, a dog because you were torn away from your friends and? everything you knew in new york and moved down to to florida yeah you should get the kid who yeah. was crying a dog <laughs> no, my parents told me <laughs> when i was brother. eight i was like i want a jet ski and my parents were like oh he's eight he's gonna forget so they were like all right cool we we took you away from all your friends we'll get you a jet ski and then when i turned 13 which is when you can have one in florida i think I was like, yo, where's my jet ski? <laughs> my heart's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because five years had passed and it was like an end they forgot. Thing, and they forgot. I was like, yeah, so when I was eight and you took me away from all my friends and moved me from New York to fucking Florida, you said that it would be dope if I could have a jet ski when I turned 13. And uh, so, yeah, I need that. My heart's like, you're not getting a fucking jet ski You know, you, you should get a jet ski now and rub it in their face. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live your best DJ Khaled life. You know? Yeah, yeah. Just fill up my living room with water and just <laughs> go for it. Full sail. Yeah. yeah. Full sail. Wait, have you been uh, on a jet ski before? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you I mean, it wasn't like Florida, you were just like watching Florida, it just yeah, go by. Dreams. It's part of the driving <laughs> test in Florida is riding a jet ski. Yeah. Can you parallel park it? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know how everybody dies in Florida on jet skis. Like, it's like a one in three people like, die from jet skis. Oh, or from like orbit. you know uh, alligators yeah. or it's, like or old age, just bath salts, alligators, bath salts, and decay. Just death, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or like you know like uh, uh, holes opening up in the ground. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there's just lots of ways to die in Florida. That's right. Well, soon flooding from like the yeah, like, oh, the rising tides. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got dark. Yeah. Leave Thanks. a comment if you know more ways that people die in Florida. <laughs> Glad you're living in New York now, Alex. <laughs> oh, yeah, getting shot by toddlers. That's high up there in Florida. <laughs> or racists. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for coming through. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real Jeff. If people want to find out more about this podcast, if people want to find out more about us, if people want to find out where to get tickets for this Thursday's show, your girls tour at SOBs here in New York City, where can they go? You can go to itstherial.com to get tickets to your girls tour this Thursday night. We were also on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time to listen to all of our podcasts that are available for streaming and download. You can go to iTunes, search for a waste of time with it's the real. We are also on Twitter at it's the real, Instagram at it's the real, Facebook at it's the real. We are on Snapchat at it's it's the real and it's the real Eric because it's the real was taken. And I think that anywhere else, just search for it's the real. What did, what should they search for? It's the for real. Okay, yeah. Listen, uh, we like to shout out people and get them to shout out this podcast because that's the best way to spread the word. Jeff, who do you want to shout out? I have so many people to shout out, so give me like half an hour. Okay, ready? All right, so first I want to shout out the four guys from the Sunday Forecast from the Bronx who are on their podcast. Shout out to them. Shout out to Nels, shout out to Rob, 
Rob. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Not Felix. <laughs> and shout out to them. You can go to uh, check out their podcast at the Sunday Forecast. Um, I also want to shout out a bunch of people who have been buying tickets to our show, even though they will not be able to make it. So that includes everybody from Brian Craft in Florida to Jimmy Brandley in North Carolina, Shale Thacker, um, our mom, um, Shay Serrano, uh, Anthony Bonilla. Michael Sanchez, there's just a bunch of people, I'm not going to read everybody's names, but uh, just a ton of people that we have to thank, and, and thank you for everybody who's going to be not even attending the show and still buying tickets. Also, shouts to everybody who will be buying tickets to our show and attending, that's the double whammy, a double dose of us, so thank you so much to everybody. Yeah, thanks to everyone for showing their support, it's, uh, it's really amazing to see what this could really turn into, and the really cool thing too is, if we sell out New York City... We can take this on the road. We can go to Atlanta. We can go to North Carolina. We can go to L.A. We can go to Chicago. We can go to Toronto and Montreal and all these places where people want us to go. Guam. Guam. We can go to Guam. Why not? We have a fan base in Guam. Let's go out there. Jeff, I would like to shout out someone in Italy, International Trey. He goes by Trey Treo on Twitter. He's not going to be able to make it to our show because he lives in Italy. But also, it is his wedding anniversary. So, happy anniversary to International Trey and Mrs. Trey. Jeff, we are just two days, two days away from our headlining show at SOBs. Do you have any special requests from people who are going to be attending the show? Yes, bring a ladle. A ladle, why is that? Because if Lil B can get everybody to bring ladles, then we should be able to, too. Is there anything you want anybody to bring? Yeah, two chains. Not for real, for real. Jeff, we'll see you next week. Yes, sir.